Welcome to Musicians Versus the World. I am so very pleased and grateful today to be speaking with Dr. William Chapman Nayaho. Dr. Chapman Nayaho is an active solo recitalist, duo pianist, and chamber musician, giving recitals and concerts in Europe, Africa, and the Caribbean, and in cities across the United States, where he promotes music by composers of African descent. He actively serves as a guest clinician at colleges and universities around the United States and has been an adjudicator for several national and international piano competitions. He has served on the national committees for the Music Teachers National Association and the National Endowment for the Arts. He also serves on the Francis Clark Center for Keyboard Pedagogy Board of Trustees. He runs a successful piano studio in Seattle, Washington, and serves on the piano faculty at Pacific Lutheran University, as well as the summer faculty of Interlochen Center for the arts. So Dr. Chapman Nayaho, welcome to Musicians versus the World. Thanks so much. Well, I first off want to congratulate you on your new position with the Music Teachers National Association. You're now the Vice President for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. It really is an honor to be doing that. So what does that position entail? So um, my position is really to um, put together a committee to talk about how we can best diversify uh, MTNA organization and also create more opportunities for inclusivity and also equity. So Mm -hmm. um, I have a wonderful committee who's dealing with that and making recommendations. So we have conversations and break up into groups. So we're sometimes actually talking about how to reach into underserved populations, how to improve upon teaching methods, you know, maybe eliminating things which are now maybe considered um, insensitive to mm-hmm. certain races. Mm-hmm. Also, trying to create a global outreach, maybe extending our resources and also partnering with other countries and mu- music teachers associations. Well, there's a lot going wow. on. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It's very cool. And then also the repertoire is a mm-hmm. real important thing, you know, trying to expose our teachers across the country to more diversified repertoire. Mm-hmm. I think that's fantastic. I mm-hmm. actually saw something about the upcoming MTNA conference, and they were saying that it was going to be the most inclusive conference that they've ever had. Yes, yes. It's going to be very exciting. I was co-chairing with Dr. Susana Garcia, mm-hmm. the piano pedagogy uh, track on diversification, and it's going to be pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to be having Terrence McKnight from WQXR talking to us. We're going to have a Mikhail Johnson talking about cultural appropriation. We're going to have, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, we're going to have professors from different universities going to talk about music, particularly piano music, I mm-hmm. guess, from um, Central America, Southeast Asian music. Uh, oh. Yeah, yeah. African music? Yes, I truly appreciate that because I find as the years go on, my own students are much more diverse and their their families come from all of these different countries. So I am beyond excited 
to have music from different countries for them to learn as well. I think it's really important because I think it's really great to have a studio where you have uh, students that say from India or mm -hmm. from Malaysia being able to play music and also presenting it in recital. Yes. Uh, music that um, sort of reflects their culture. Absolutely. And I think it's important for our students to learn about those other cultures as well. Exactly. And, and play music from other places that they may not be familiar with. Yeah, it's a big job. Oh, yeah, I would, <laughs> I would think so. That's a huge load on your shoulders. Yeah. But, you know, I have an amazing committee of 14 wonderful musicians from composers to retired dean to um, PhD students and professors in Australia, you know, zooming in for the meetings. And wow. I mean, it's, it's fantastic. That's great. So you found that the feedback has been mostly positive about this. Yeah, we've had a little bit of pushback. You know, there have been some pushback comments in at MTNA, but you know the the leadership is just really committed to this course. Good. So mm -hmm. we're moving ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't think of anyone better because you have really studied music everywhere in the world. You're originally from Ghana. Yes. And you've studied music in Switzerland, in England, in Texas. Would you mind sharing a little bit about your musical background? Okay. So I grew up in Ghana, West Africa. I went to this great school called Achimota School, where it was a boarding school, but not in the, not in the same form as boarding schools here in the U.S., uh, where it, it tends to have a certain sense or connotation of, you know, very privileged people. <laughs> but in Ghana, you know, boarding schools when I was growing up were really quite common. So you have people coming in from all parts of the country to mm, study. Mm -hmm. So this school had a great music program. And not only for classical music, but also traditional music. So I had piano lessons with a phenomenal teacher by name, John Barham. And um, also I learned the different dances and songs from different parts of the country, you know, mm. with professors who came in from the University of Ghana, which was just in Legon, which is just outside Accra. I was just like totally immersed in, you know, the, all the different musical styles and traditions. And then after Achimota School, I ended up going to Oxford University mm -hmm. and was at St. Peter's College. Got my bachelor's and master's degree um, from there. Mm -hmm. And um, that was a lot of work. It was a lot of paperwork when I mean theory, history, oh. you know, mm -hmm. harmony, counterpoint, and all that kind of stuff. It was really, really intense, but fabulous. It was a fabulous education. And after graduating there, I went to Geneva and was with my sister and attended the Conservatory of Music there, the Conservatoire de Musique. And I studied with a wonderful French teacher, Henri Gautier, and also mm. was mentored by Ozzel Russell, Jamaican composer. Yeah, I mean, he was just like my mentor. I pretty wow. much worshipped him there. It was just wonderful. 
So, and then from there, um, I spent a year there and then got into Eastman and studied there for my master's under Barry Snyder and then went south to warm up in Texas. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's quite the temperature difference. Yeah, yeah. Uh, At uh, the University of Texas at Austin and studied Mm -hmm. under David Renner. And one of my sheroes is also Dr. Martha Hilly and Amanda Vick-Lethko. Wow. So many different influences. Yeah. Yeah. How do you think that having all of those different cultures and all those different influences, how has that influenced your own playing and your own teaching? In a way, having straddled two different cultures, Western culture and African culture, I think it's just really made me quite sensitive to attending the needs of students who may want to try different musics, you know, Mm -hmm. and honoring their ethnicities. I I always talk about this, but uh, I went to audition to get into the University of Texas to do my doctorate. And Mm -hmm. I went to introduce myself to David Renner. And um, he wanted to know where I was from. I said, Ghana. Well, the very next day after my audition, you know, I went to see him in his office and he said, you know, I read up on Ghana in the encyclopedia. And, And that really... I don't know, it just touched me that this professor was really wanting to know where I came from and who I was. And I think that's really important, you know, as teachers. We have such a huge responsibility in caring for our students. That we, you know, mm-hmm. It's really good to know where they're from, who they are, how to craft your teaching to suit each person's needs, you know? Yeah. So I think that all of, you know, that whole journey that I took in my education probably culminated in that. So you mentioned that there are some different needs for students who may be straddling two different cultures. Mm -hmm. What are some of the things that we as teachers can do to help them? It's research, Mm -hmm. trying to find resources, um, just like what David Renner did for me, going online, seeing what kind of music there is by, you know, a Chinese composer, for example. You know, there's Chen Yi, who is this amazing composer. Why can't the students perform her music, you know? Right. How about um, Halim El-Dab from Egypt, if you have an Egyptian student, you know? Or check out music that's influenced by gamelan music by students from the Philippines or Malaysia. Mm-hmm. I think it's really important for the teacher to do some research, listen to the music, encourage the student to listen to their traditional music mm-hmm. or, you know, Bulgarian traditional music for my students who come from Bulgaria. Yeah. You know, I think it's important and trying to find out something that might resonate or maybe that they didn't know of. Mm, I love Mm. that. And kind of going along with that, you have really helped with that research by your anthology of the music of the African diaspora. How did that project come about? Well, that project came about... So first of all, um, growing up in Ghana, 
I was interested in traditional music as well as classical music. Mm -hmm. And it came to a point where I was really feeling a certain disconnect between these two art forms that I just loved. Mm -hmm. So I would kind of look around for Ghanaian composers. And um, there were a few that I could relate to. But um, <laughs> I, I remember when I was in Oxford, I thought it would be really cool to do something where Africa meets the West or something like that. And yeah. in Oxford, you could just put people together, just put some posters around town and, you know, students from the different colleges will just meet up. I mean, it was just amazing musical making thing. And so I put on this concert doing uh, some Dvorak for hands and then Brahms leader, Liebes leader waltzes. Put a choir together and one of my professors, uh, Jan Smarchny, and I, we played the duets. And then I thought it would be really cool to teach some, you know, the choir, some Ghanaian music. So we we put together some works by Ifrem Amu, a phenomenal Ghanaian choral composer. And, you know, they learned the language that it was written in. And it was just fabulous. Fast forward several years, um, as a professor in Louisiana, I was responsible for teaching piano literature. I was just really easy getting, you know, the Bach, the, mm -hmm. you could deal with uh, romantic music, and then you get to the nationalists, and you get Spanish music. But come to African-American music, or even music from Africa, things were either out of print or in manuscript form. You know, it's just very hard. I mean, there's some great recordings by Natalie Hinderis, but just trying to even obtain the scores was hard. So right. anyhow, I started just gathering music. And when I moved to the Seattle area, uh, I decided to do a presentation for MTNA at their national conference and called it Into Africa, advocating music by composers of African descent. So I just put on this table, you know, just lots of Xeroxes of music from people like T.J. Anderson to Florence Price and stuff. Mm -hmm. Played some of these scores and actually went to the exhibition hall and I asked around the publishers, do you have any music by composers of African descent? And, you know, the response is, uh, do you mean Scott Joplin? And I said, no, oh. you know, um, <laughs> um, Florence Price or Margaret Bonds. And the answer was invariably, there doesn't seem to be much demand for it. And I was mm -hmm. like, the chicken or the egg, which came first? Right. So I right. mentioned that in my talk. And a wonderful gentleman by name, Brian Hill, uh, was at the talk. And he was with Oxford University Press. So he came up to me and said, yeah, we need to take you on. At first, I was just like, really? For real? <laughs> uh, I mean, because I think sometimes, you know, when, you, when, when there's such struggle mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden the door gets open, sometimes it's hard to believe, mm. you know? Yeah. You know, as a person of African descent, I think a lot of people of African descent can kind of, you know, relate kind of to relate that. Kind relate to that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So anyhow, um, well, we started working together. 
and came up with this anthology. Mm, it's a wonderful anthology. Oh, thank you. I was really happy to see Florence Price was in there because she's gotten a lot of attention this last year, deservedly so. Yeah. And then I was surprised and happy to see that you had um, Encaro Okoye in there as well. Yeah. I love yes. her music. Yes. Did, now, did you reach out to her? How did, because she's she's living, obviously, and still writing, yeah. still composing. Well, yeah, you know, I was very lucky. I met, I, I met her at a conference mm-hmm. and um, was just taken by her music. And so, you know, just kind of like, just kept asking her if she'd be <laughs> willing to contribute. And yeah. Yeah, so she's written some beautiful piano music yes. and also vocal stuff, you know, sort of like uh, an opera kind of piece based on Harriet Tubman. And yeah. Yes, I love it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm definitely a fan of hers. I am too. And I was happy. I was like, oh, now I can buy her sheet music. This is so nice. So I appreciate yeah. that. She, she has this amazing fusion of her music. I think she right. you know, straddles the two cultures like you were talking exactly. about. She does it very, very well. And another thing about this anthology I think is so wonderful is that it's the entire African diaspora. So it's not just, it is, there are many from the African continent, but there's also mm-hmm. music from the Americas and from Asia. Mm-hmm. And it surprised me. And I was able to learn. I did not realize that the African diaspora was so worldwide. Very interesting to learn about all of the different cultures and all the different composers yeah. from so many different areas. And I have to say, the anthology is, uh, you know, I'm very grateful to have done it, but it really is scratching the surface of what's out there. I'm sure. You know, I got a contact through my website. You know, a guy just kind of said, did you know there's this Afro-Uruguayan music that you can find? And I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, stuff like that, you know. So are you having composers reach out to you now and say, hey, can I be in the next anthology? <laughs> well, I haven't talked about next <laughs> anthology. But, but yeah, um, I've had I've had some people, you know, it was interesting um, putting this anthology together was really a labor of love. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, I had some great things out already which were given to me, but I also tried to identify some composers I would really have loved to have, you know, and I was completely ignored, mm. you know? I mean, just because, I guess, maybe, like, who is this person right. just out of the blue asking for, you know, music? So it's not, you know, it wasn't easy. Mm-hmm. Right. But I think... I think with the change in times, there's probably a willingness to just get that music out, mm-hmm. just get it out. Mm-hmm. How has the reception been from piano teachers to your anthology? Have they been excited to teach it or are they intimidated? Um, well, they've been really excited on the whole. Good. They've really been excited on the whole. I have had comments where, you know, some of them were, it would be great to have a a recorded example Mm, mm -hmm. of some of this music they would like to teach. Mm -hmm. So I ended up doing a CD of the first two volumes for that. Mm -hmm. My other CDs were, you know, a mix of some of the pieces in the anthology and some that weren't. Mm -hmm. So, um... I, 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 you know, I think that's really fair. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Absolutely. 
So in the foreword, there's this beautiful quote that I would love to read to you from Dominique Renee Delerma. And she writes, due to the extensive and unconscious absorption of African music in the diaspora, the music of this historically significant piano collection, much of which is officially new to the repertoire, is far more familiar and recognizable than anticipated. And I love that quote. And I think the idea of unconscious absorption is very true. But I was wondering if you have any thoughts about that. I, all I can say is I just re- I really agree. I think it's in pe- some people's DNA mm-hmm. or growing up and hearing jazz and R&B you find and the blues, mm-hmm. you know. Right. So, yeah. And and even, you know, some of the pieces by African composers, you know, music, I mean, obviously came across to the Americas. Mm-hmm. So it's there. It's always been there, but just not acknowledged. You know, yes. it's just been under the radar, under the conscious level, yeah. Mm-hmm. So there is very much a benefit to students with a background of African descent, but there's also a huge benefit to children who are not of African descent to learn this music. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, this music is for all. Mm-hmm. I really believe, I mean, I believe Bach is for all. Mm-hmm. And many people on the African continent also play Bach and love Bach's music or or find a kinship to Bartok's music, for example. Mm-hmm. I remember growing up in Ghana, you know, hearing Bartok's music was like, wow, you know, that sounds like upper music, mm-hmm. you know, some of the melodic language of Bartok and the rhythmic language can confuse people into thinking that it's one or the other culture, mm-hmm. an African culture or Bulgarian or Hungarian culture. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Actually, uh, a good friend and an amazing scholar, uh, Dr. Kofi Agau, was telling me once that um, he played a piece by Joshua Uzoigwe in a lecture, I think in Amsterdam, and pretty much asked them, who do they think it was? And it was like, Bartok. Oh, no so, kidding. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> That's interesting. So there is sort of the Russian school of pianism, and there's like the French Mm -hmm. school of pianism. Is there a way to describe African pianism? Yeah, you know, I think um, when you hear of African pianism, I think it's really talking more about the style of music as opposed to the technique. And on that cliffhanger, we are going to end our episode for today. As you can tell, our interview was just getting started, and there was just too much inspiring information to cram into just one episode, so I'm splitting the interview with Dr. William Chapman Nayaho into two parts. In our next episode, we are going to continue our conversation, starting with Dr. Chapman Nayaho's definition of African pianism, and going into a discussion of the future of classical music and what Beethoven and the Charleston have in common. Along the way, he has plenty of tips and resources for teachers wanting to take their studios and make them into a more welcoming and inclusive place for all of their students. Musicians vs. the World is a production of Frosted Lens Entertainment in conjunction with Smith Sound Music. A very special thank you to William Chapman Nayaho 
MTNA's Vice President for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, for sharing his time and valuable advice and music with us today. You probably heard the names of composers and performers throughout today's episode, and you may have been taking notes and writing down all the names to research and learn about, but just in case you didn't, or in case you want all of these resources in one easy place, I will have the list of all of the resources and musicians mentioned today on our website, frostedlens.com slash musicians versus the world. Be sure to check it out and take some time learning about these wonderful composers from different parts of the world. Musicians versus the World is hosted and edited by me, Christine Smith, and our producer today was Russ Wilkes. In today's episode, you heard excerpts from Dr. Chapman Nayaho's wonderful album entitled Kate. You heard Silk Hat and Walking Cane by Florence Price, Ticklin' Toes, also by Florence Price, and Nigerian Dance Number no. 1 by Joshua Uzoigwe. The excerpts were performed by Dr. Chapman Nayaho and shared with permission. If you have enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss out on any future conversations. And if you want to help us reach more people that may be interested in today's topic, share this episode with them or leave us a nice review wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any topics you'd like to be discussed or questions about music or musician life that you'd like answered, be sure to reach out to us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, or send us an email at info at Thanks so much.